It started with a scrunchie, those little pieces of fabric people mostly women use to keep their hair up. At least that's the way it was pitched to me when I got the email. A woman was making them and selling them and using the profits for a good cause. We get a lot of story submissions like this all the time, and they're great. I built an entire franchise, one good thing, on just these kinds of stories. So it started with a scrunchie, except it didn't. Very recently, I gave some advice to one of our reporters in our newsroom. I told him, the story you're assigned isn't always the story you find. In fact, very often when you go out on an assignment, you're going to discover layers that either make the story better or are simply better than the original story. This is one of those times. A young woman was making scrunchies. That's where the story started. Except it didn't. It started much earlier. It started when she gave birth to her first child. When he was first born, it felt there was just kind of, I was very indifferent. And as we came home, I, my husband did all the diapers and I never was bothered by that. I just said, yep, sure, I was tired. And then about six months in, I started to have some pretty intense intrusive thoughts. Um, his body and some pretty graphic Im images in my mind and the sleepless nights, this very internally a storm. I'm Nick LaFave. This is Alone at the Desk. Alone at the Desk, a podcast by an average middle-aged guy who just happens to be a TV news anchor. We talk about the exciting and the boring parts of life, the industry, and life in the industry. And we cover some important stories along the way. Brought to you by 13 On Your Side News in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Jennifer Sipe knew she wanted kids. She and her husband were in a good place. They were still young. They both had good jobs. Jennifer teaches remotely, so even better. Her son Roman was born a little more than two years ago. But she realized soon after that something was wrong. When the thoughts were around the clock, and it was not just me, it was then I started graphic images in my mind with my husband, with my own self. Jennifer said she was talking subtly with some of her friends who'd had children. She said she was just trying to feel it out, like, did you experience this? Then when they started to say, no, we did, I did not, that is not, you need to talk to somebody. Postpartum depression is extremely hard to quantify in terms of statistics, but according to postpartumdepression.org, up to 80% of women will experience what they call the baby blues. It's a mild short-term mood disorder. Up to 20% of new moms will experience some kind of clinical postpartum depression. There are many levels here. There are again the blues, postpartum anxiety, postpartum obsessive compulsive disorder, postpartum panic disorder, and postpartum post-traumatic stress disorder. One other stat here. There are approximately four million live births in the United States every year. When you consider that one in seven women will experience some kind of postpartum depression, that's almost 600,000 cases. Jennifer was one. Then I reached out and I called my therapist and said, I don't know where to begin. This, I just need help. As she was getting that help, Jennifer came to some realizations about what she specifically needed in order to heal. 
I actually was rocking my son. It was 3.30 in the morning and he was not sleeping. He was very restless and I think my stress was, he was soaking up that energy so he also was starting to struggle. And I was rocking him and I remember just thinking there has to be more. I have to do something for myself. At some point in my life, I gotta get me back. In that moment, at 3.30 in the morning, Jennifer says she had an instance of freakishly divine intervention. I envisioned and saw all of it. The scrunchies, the women empowerment, the there's just always something more and it's okay to go find that more. And I went, after Roman went to sleep, I booked it into our room and I woke my husband up and I was like, it's scrunchies, that, that's what I could do. I asked her what her husband's reaction was when she woke him up in the dead of night and said she was going to make scrunchies. He said, okay, we can discuss it another time. Like, please. And he was very startled. He didn't know if something had happened, but nope, it was just, I think I could do scrunchies. People want, cause they're coming back, right? Jennifer had an idea about which she was excited. She was getting the materials together, getting a website and an Instagram page up and running. And she had a name, Jenny & Co for Jenny & Company. Yes, so I had the idea of scrunchies for a cause, kind of wanting to do something, but I wasn't quite sure what, and everything felt forced. Like, oh, let me use it for this, let me use it for that. So I just, again, put it away, and if it's something is meant to happen, it will come to fruition, and it did. Yes, it did. Something which would become her first cause was happening literally on the other side of the world. Basically in Johannesburg, but I'm more in Cape Town now. Jeremy Bachnar was a tour guide in South Africa, but that was before the pandemic. Um, I actually lost all um, work um, for the past uh, 14 months. Um, absolutely no income from my side. Uh, my wife was basically at home at the same time um, because of COVID and not being able to work. Um, and yeah, we, we, we lost quite a lot in that aspect. Five years ago, Jeremy was leading a tour for a youth group from Michigan. When I was teaching at Lloyd Norris in Kalamazoo to go with a group called Peace Jam, 12 high schoolers, myself and two other teachers, we took them to South Africa to do some community involvement, and he was our tour guide. The moment I met Jeremy, I think within 10 minutes, I told him I was meant, I don't know what for, but I was meant to meet you on this trip. Yep, exactly when we, when we, when we met, I knew because just the connection that we made exactly just made me feel very comfortable and I knew exactly this is gonna be a lifetime friendship. The two have remained close and message or chat every few months, but it had been a while since they'd connected. I've been watching the news, reading, I always keep up with South Africa, West Africa, and there was some political unrest that started happening, looting and severe violence, burning warehouses, everything down, and so I, when I first heard about it, I thought about him, but I didn't reach out. And then I woke up again. I was taking a solid nap. And I said, some little voice said, you have to Jeremy now. You have got to reach out to him. So I messaged him on Facebook Messenger. And I just said, are you safe? I didn't know what to say. I said, are you, what's, are you safe? And I just started speaking to her, told her what the situation is. It was really, really bad. The, the looting started around um, in the area, that's when, you know, it really, really got bad. There was a lot of, uh, you know, people getting hurt, malls closing down, malls burning down. And um, we were literally almost part of it as well. And it really pushed us 
into that corner where we thought this is it. Um, we're actually losing everything. He said, we've gone intermittent days without eating. Our car has been taken. We're losing our house. Jennifer asked Jeremy if it was okay to share his family's plight on her Facebook page. He agreed. Jennifer put up the post and included Jeremy's PayPal account. He said just $73 could sustain him, his wife, and their two sons for a week with the basics like water, bread, milk, and rice. Everything just changed from there. When a matter of minutes, he messaged me back and he said, Jen, I have $260 in my PayPal. Now Jennifer wanted to concentrate on Jeremy's home. They were months behind in their payments. This time, Jennifer took her ask to her new Jenny & Co. Instagram page. It only took one night. Um, I woke up and my phone just black exploded um, with a message saying um, we just raised um, over $1,500 um, to literally save your house. It blew my mind. It, I started literally crying with my wife and it, it, it just it, it felt like a whole load of a mountain just dropped from our shoulders. It was the best feeling ever. Jennifer didn't stop yet. This was her first official cause for her scrunchies for a cause. Now she was going to sew and sell. But first, she got a hold of Jeremy's wife. She picked out all of the fabric, and again, because I wanted to bring in, because now she's the matriarch of the family, carrying that extra load on top of being a mom, a wife, the caretaker. Um, she picked it out, the fabrics, and I said, I'm. a couple people said, oh, just do a percentage. And I said, no, I'm doing 100% of everything that comes in for scrunchies for a cause is going to them. So I, for days, I just made them and we launched them. And within two hours, we had over $900 and they were sold out. How is it that, you know, just a word out there and strangers just comes together and say, hey, we will help. I haven't met them, haven't seen them. I don't know if I will ever will, like you said. But at the end of the day, just knowing that there is people out there, there's good people out there that literally are um, at your at a core away or just a message away, and they are there to assist. And that made us as a family really, really felt that there is still hope in the world. That made us the people that we are today as well. And here's the kind of people Jeremy and his family are. Early on, as soon as the first donation started coming in, he made the decision to take 10% of what they were given and do something positive with it in their community because he realized they weren't the only ones who were hurting. If you could take Mother Teresa, Buddha, Jesus, every good aura and smash it together, the pope, anything, it is, he is so powerful to be around. He's just that good of a person. Today, Jeremy and his family are doing much better, knowing their home is secure. And also with Jen still getting smaller donations to us via PayPal and helping us, we could actually sustain. I started working again just like one day or a week. And yeah, it's been much, much better. But I think the pressure of us having the house is the most important thing for us. Jeremy and his family were Jennifer's first cause, but she's already moving forward with more. She'll be picking a different cause four times a year. So my whole shop will shut down for five days. It's just those scrunchies will be available and 100% of whatever comes in, donations, sales, goes to wherever it's going. Like in mid-November, I'm doing it for the kids of Grand Rapids in safe houses or homeless shelters for Christmas gifts.
But she isn't turning her attention away from South Africa either. Jennifer says a large number of girls in Cape Town drop out of school when they have their first period because they don't have proper personal hygiene products. She's launching a program which will be a perpetual part of her business to combat that problem called Sister Scrunchies. This is even more at the heart of what I want to do. Women empowerment, taking care of the mental health, because that has to be stressful. Saying, okay, I now can't go to school to better my education because I don't have a basic need met. Whoever buys one, they get the scrunchie, but then the matching fabric will also be sent to the girls in South Africa along with either reusable period underwear or reusable pads that will sustain them. And when they're taken care of correctly and washed and rinsed every month, one pair or one pad can sustain for two to three years. What began as a way to deal with a potentially debilitating diagnosis of postpartum depression developed into a hobby, then into a business, then into a mission which helped save a family 8,000 miles away, empower women on the other side of the world, and will help untold numbers of people moving forward. When I started making them, I'll never forget when I made my first one. I tried it back in January at my mom's, and it was the most god-awful, hideous, frickin' scrunchie I've ever seen in my life. The fabric was ugly, the stitching was horrible, and I said, what the heck am I doing? This is, this is just whatever. But I, I've never pushed myself to keep my, to be in the uncomfortable of letting myself grow, and so I kept going, and I kept letting that vulnerability happen of growing, and when I made my first beautiful, perfected scrunchie, I sat here and cried because it was so good and I was so excited. And even if for a moment when people open my packaging or they send a sister scrunchie to feel that feel good and they deserve it. And I just want to bring that excitement. And yeah, even if it's just a scrunchie, like little things make the big difference. This has been Alone at the Desk with Nick LaFave. I'd like to thank my guests, Jennifer Seip and Jeremy Bechnar. If you'd like to check out Jennifer's shop, it's jennyandco.com, J-E-N-N-I-E-A-N-D-C-O.com. And if you'd like to hear more of our episodes, you can go to 13onyourside.com slash podcasts. You can also find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify. And you can find me at twitter.com slash nicklafave, facebook.com slash nicknews, or you can email me at nicklafay at 13onyourside.com. Thanks for listening.